continue our series on God's priceless promises. Today we'll be in Romans 8, verses 18 to 27, page 1201, there in the Pew Bible. No pain, no gain. Amen? No pain, no gain. Some of you have asked about my physical therapy. This arm, five years ago, I've gone through the therapy and I can do everything. This arm, I'm up to two pounds. <sighs> two pounds. And you say, what a wimp. Two pounds. But I lift it when I can. I have my stretch band that I get at home by the banister and I get my posture just right and I do my rowing exercises. 20 at a time, take a break, 20 more. I go to physical therapy twice a week and in about 40 to 45 minutes, she totally exhausts my right arm. And I'll say, is there any hope? And she'll say, yes, you're making progress. You are now able to lift two pounds about that high. I, I couldn't do that even a month ago. If you tried to work out with the two-pound weight at home, Okay, are you going to go through much pain and get much gain from two pounds? Yes or no? No. But for my shoulder that's been surgically dealt with, two pounds is a stretch. But you learn over time that if you want to build muscle mass, you have to push your muscles, you have to strain your muscles, you have to have your muscles slightly broken down so that they can be rebuilt to a greater level. No pain, no gain. Some of you go to the gym on a regular basis and you, you sweat yourself to death. Some of you practice hot yoga. Now, this last week, I think getting in and out of our cars, we all practiced hot yoga, did we not? <laughs> Sliding across the leather seats and you put your hands on the steering wheels and you'd say, oh, you swarmed and you did everything you can and you prayed that your air conditioning would take that temperature down as quickly as possible. What's my point? No pain, no gain involves suffering. It involves stretching. It involves building strength. But none of us, if we are in a regimen of calisthenics and working out, do we like the suffering to get what we're going for? Do we like the suffering? No. Do any of us like suffering? Well, that's not quite so loud. That's, well, maybe. No. We don't like suffering. We don't like that pain 
that we did not sign up for. Matter of fact, there are times in each of our lives when we feel attacked by those that we love. We struggle with that pain and we try to figure out how to stop the suffering because none of us like it. And do all of us suffer in this place? Yes or no? We all suffer, and none of us like it. Well, the passage we're going to look at this morning, I think, will bring you comfort and will bring you a promise or two that you will help understand that suffering has a purpose in each of our lives. As much as we hate it, as much as we don't look forward to it, as much as we try to avoid suffering in our lives, God uses it all. So, turn with me to Romans 8. We'll start at verse 18, but let me kind of set it up for you. In the first half of Romans 8, Paul teaches and describes the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. He, he is the source a divine power for our sanctification. And he is the secret for spiritual victory in our daily lives. But in verse 17, Paul says this, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So I like those words. I'm, I'm going to be an heir with Jesus Christ. But then he says this, Provided... We suffer with him. Oh. In order that we may also be glorified with him. Well, I like the glory side. But Paul is telling us to get to be glorified with him, I must suffer with him. And I don't like that. So in the passage we're going to look at this morning, he introduces the idea of suffering in verse 17 and then expands upon it in verses 18 through the end of the chapter, of which we will only go through verse 27 this morning. This idea of suffering with Jesus, glorified with Jesus, he's going to elaborate. Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. This is the topic sentence of this passage we're going to look at. This, what is the relationship with suffering to glory? He talks about our present suffering. And as I looked at the word back in the original, it has the idea of suffering of any kind for any reason. Just affliction. None of us like to suffer. And notice the contrast in verse 18. He contrasts the temporal versus the eternal. The sufferings of this present time compared with the glory that is to reveal to us. See, Paul reminds his readers, and as we look at this, he reminds us, that sharing in the glory of Christ in the future 
requires sharing his suffering in this life right now. Now, we like the idea of glory, amen? We like glory. We don't even understand fully what it means, but we know if it's the glory of Christ that we're going to share with him, it's like, bring it on. But in order for us to experience that one day, I must experience suffering in this present moment. And none of us like that. Well, to help you understand that, he says to us, we will see glory. It will be revealed. And notice in verse 18, this comparison, oh, it's not worth comparing. It's not worth our time. It's not worth our effort to contrast our present hard times and this future glory because there is just no comparison. If we could only appreciate the glory that is to be ours in Christ, we could count the suffering along the way in this life as but trivial. That's the reality. And that's the first promise in this passage this morning, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That's a promise. So as we go through the suffering on this planet right now, is it hard, yes or no? Is our suffering hard? Yes. yes. But it won't compare to our future glory in Christ one day. Keep it in perspective. It's hard, but when we go through the other side, it will all be worth it. He then goes on in the following verses... And I found this fascinating. Paul's going to talk about three groanings. He's going to talk about the groaning of creation in verses 19 through 22. He's going to talk about the groaning of believers in verses 23 to 25. And then surprisingly, he's going to talk about the groaning of the Holy Spirit in verses 26 to 27. So let's look at verses 19 to 22, the groaning of creation. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. See, creation has been subjected 
to groaning because of the fall of man in Genesis 3 and the curse of sin that has also been placed upon creation. So in verse 19, the groaning of creation is temporary. If you want to fill in the blank in your outline, the groaning of creation is temporary. Verse 19, the creation waits with eager longing. It is leaning forward, waiting for the time for the revealing of the sons of God. And that word revealing, it's interesting, it would be like a fine work of art, a sculpture, and all of a sudden there's a a sheet or some kind of drape over it, and all of a sudden the the drape is lifted, the artwork is revealed, and it's been unveiled. One day, as the sons of God, we are going to be unveiled. The creation is groaning and waiting for that moment. That revealing will begin at the rapture and the creation longs for its new creation. In verse 20, the groaning of creation is the consequence of sin. Verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, to frustration, to vanity, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. This futility, this frustration, this vanity. Well, let me ask you, how do you deal living in a world soaked in sin? Are you frustrated when every time you turn around you see the effects of sin both in creation and in yourself and in your friends? Does that frustrate you? Yes. I think it frustrates me the most when I look inside myself and I see the effects of sin that I fight against. And sometimes I'm successful in the power of the Spirit, and sometimes I fail miserably. That frustrates me. Creation is also frustrated. And sin, the consequences of sin, affects everything. In verse 21, the groaning of creation is a means to an end. It's a means to an end. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage. Free from its bondage to corruption. And obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. See, one day, one day creation will be set free from the effects of sin. One day the animals will act again like in Genesis 1 and 2. The world will be at peace, but not yet. Verse 22, the groaning of creation is universal. Look at verse 22, for we know that the whole creation, the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Now, I know that not all of you have gone through childbirth. Amen? 
Amen never goes through childbirth, right? We have not gone through the pains of childbirth. We had cesarean sections. But I have watched and I have talked to people who have naturally given birth to a child. I can't even fully imagine. I can imagine going through, we went through childbirth classes and cleansing breaths and fast panting and all the things and we practice all of this to never use it in our lives. But I've talked to enough women and one thing I've learned as a pastor, early in my ministry, never walk into a room of a new mother and said, when's the next one coming? (laughs) I did that early in ministry and I thought she was going to throw something at me. I now wait about nine months I wait till the the memory of childbirth and the pain dissipates. And that child is now healthy and there and being a blessing to this family. And I'll say, and now when's the next one? And, And they smile at me and said, well, we've begun talking about it. See, childbirth is a vivid metaphor of suffering that has a joyous outcome. Creation is waiting for that day. Creation is going through a season of suffering, knowing that one day it will have a joyous outcome called the new heavens and the new earth. Creation groans. It's tired of sin. It's tired of dealing with things that just don't work anymore. Well, in verses 23 to 25, we find out that believers also groan. Verse 23. But not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Don't we groan over the effects of sin both in our lives, in the effect of those sin in those around us? Don't we groan, yes or no? Matter of fact, let's just groan right now. Groan! That wasn't very... What did you say? That was good? Sometimes you just got to groan, right? I think about how frustrated you are with your life. Think about the things you would rather be doing and sin keeps messing up your life. Let's groan. Oh, oh. Thank you. The child's coming shortly. I can hear it now. 
Don't you in private moments as you look over life, as you're frustrated with how things, don't you find yourself groaning at times privately? I know I do. Our frustration sometimes just ramps up. We long for something better than sin. Amen? We long for different bodies that will not betray us with sickness and disease. Amen? We want to be unmarred by sin. And in the passage it says, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit that has been given to us as believers in Jesus Christ, and we at times see flashes of that glory in us. And we say, man, wouldn't it be nice if this was like this all the time? We need more of the Spirit. And the word hope that is repeated throughout these verses right here has the idea of confident expectation of something better. We want something better. And hope helps us deal with the suffering we are now going through in our lives. Someday there will be something better. Spirit's the first fruits. And we're supposed to wait patiently, it says. We wait for it, this hope, with patience. Is that something I can do naturally? No. See, this kind of patient waiting is called part of the fruit of the Spirit. He has to build it in my life. So we groan. One more time, let's groan. Oh, oh. Doesn't it feel good to groan with other people? There's there's something, I think, that is a little therapeutic about that. We're all there. We struggle. Well, creations, creation groans saying, get rid of sin. We groan. We're frustrated. Get rid of sin in our lives. But here's the surprising thing is that the Spirit himself groans as well. Verses 26 and 27, likewise... The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what the mind of of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. In these verses, I have five points there in your outline. Number one, the assistant. The assistant. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Matter of fact, helps us is present tense. Now, what does that mean? The Holy Spirit keeps on helping us. He doesn't occasionally come to our rescue. He is constantly helping me and you. Do you constantly need the Spirit's help, yes or no? Yes. Yes. 
And isn't that comforting to know I don't have to wait for him to come help me. He's already helping me. He's helping you. He is bringing his assistance to our lives. So that means in our suffering, we're not left to our own resources to deal with it. He brings his power to my life and to yours that while I'm suffering, he pours his power and strength into my life and yours. And he keeps on helping us. He is the assistant. But here's the admission. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us. I mean, that's great news. In our weakness. Here's the admission. We are weak. Let's say that together. We are weak. One more time. We are weak. Do you believe that? We're weak. I don't care how virile you are. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. I don't care how much you can lift. Paul says we are weak. Matter of fact, he doesn't say you are weak. He says the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is saying I'm just as weak as you. We have limitations as creatures who suffer. And here's the evidence of our weakness found in verse 26. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. How do we know we're weak? It says, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. It does not say we don't know how to pray. It doesn't say that. But what it does say is, We don't know what to pray for. Our prayers tend to be selfish. Our prayers tend to be ignorant. Our prayers tend to be foolish. God, deal with the suffering. Give me, give me, give me. Bring relief. And God says, I wish this suffering to refine you so that when you experience glory, it's going to far outshine any suffering you went through. But I want relief. I want it now. I don't care how it affects other people. We don't know what to pray for. We're weak. We're limited. The advocacy... Notice the end of verse 26. Notice the word but, this strong contrast. I don't know, I'm weak, I don't know what to pray for, but contrast, the Spirit himself intercedes. He doesn't give it to anyone else. He himself is praying for you right now, in the present. He keeps on interceding for us. And his intercession with groans, with groans too deep for words, with groans without words. 
You see, the Spirit of God understands our frustration. He has compassion on us. The creation groans. We groan. But the Spirit of God understands us. And and He groans as well, too. Because He knows how to pray for us. And He knows the frustration we are feeling even at this moment with the limitations that we now have because we're creatures and because we're sinful. D, the awareness. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. See, during difficult times, believers can find it difficult to figure out God's will. Amen? When you are struggling, when you are suffering, do you have God's will clearly in your sights? The answer often is no. I'm focused in my times of suffering on my own pain, my own struggles. I just want relief. I'm sorry, but sometimes God's will takes a back seat. And during those times... The Spirit is aware of our needs. And the Father, that He's the one who searches hearts. He is aware of the mind of the Spirit. And they are now working now in concert. And notice at the end of verse 27, the agreement. The agreement. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit prays for us continually and his prayers line up in perfect agreement with the will of the Father. That is agreement. But isn't that comforting in verse 26? That's our second promise here. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. What a promise. In the midst of my suffering, does God understand my suffering, yes or no? Yes. Does he do something about it? Yes. The Holy Spirit resident in me is groaning with my spirit saying, Father... Would you please align this young man with your will? Bring comfort. Bring strength. Help him endure. So what does this mean for us individually and corporately? I had some help from Chuck Swindoll on some of this. Some of this I've added. You'll have to fill in the end of each of these suffering do's and don'ts. A, don't assume your suffering means that you are not a Christian. I've talked to believers over the years who say, I must no longer be a child of God. I've stepped out of his family because of the amount of suffering I'm going through. That is false. B, don't assume... Your suffering is a result of God's discipline. Sometimes it is. 
But I think often our suffering is due to the fact that we live in a world marred by sin. We're surrounded by people marred by sin. I look into my own life. I have a life marred by sin. Any one of those three will bring suffering to my life and to yours. Amen? Amen. It's not always discipline. C. Don't assume the Lord has abandoned you. I've talked to believers who say, I, I don't see God. This suffering is so intense. I feel abandoned by God. The Spirit has been given us for this weakness. He groans with us. He's not abandoned us. He steps into our suffering and prays for strength for us. D. Don't assume your prayers are not heard. As one of his children, does God hear all of our prayers? Yes or no? Yes. 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 We may not like the answer he brings, but he hears them all. And as your suffering ramps up, it's not because he hasn't heard your groaning. E. Do continue praying even when you don't know what to say. Have you hit moments of your life that your suffering has been so intense you have just sat there in silence saying, I don't even know how to put words to this and internally you are groaning. Don't stop praying. The Spirit takes those groans He adds his. He's interceding for you. F. Do confess your fears, your doubts, your weaknesses. We we don't like doing that. And ask him for strength to carry on. That's hard sometimes. It's hard when you feel so weak to start with and the suffering comes and you just want to give up. G, do remain faithful in your duties even if you must reduce your load for a season. Everyone here, I think, if you're breathing, has hit seasons of life when you have been overwhelmed. Amen? Amen. Overwhelmed. The suffering has been so intense and you just want to chuck it. Reduce your load. Yes. For a season. Yes. But remain faithful. That's what he calls us to. That's why he has given us the Holy Spirit in our lives to intercede, to bring strength in the midst of our weakness. Finally, H, don't assume that your suffering gives you permission to give up. 
We've all been there, amen? We've all been to that place where our suffering has ramped up to the point where we've said, I just want to check out. I just want to crawl into bed, pull the covers over my head, and give me a week. If we're honest, we would say we've, we've felt that way at some point. Our suffering doesn't give us permission to give up. Our suffering acknowledges our weakness and the Spirit must do His work in my life. I think I put in your notes, God does not waste pain. God does not waste suffering. Remember at the front end of this passage, verse 18, the present sufferings are not worth comparing to future glory in Christ. Keep it in the proper framework. This suffering will eventually lead to glory, and it's going to be so far superior, it's not even worth comparing it. Why do I need to apply this? We all suffer, amen? Wait a minute. We all suffer, amen? amen? We do. At times, each of us lose our perspective, and we need to be reminded that God uses suffering for our good. He is building in us a, a weight of glory that far will exceed the suffering here on this earth. And we need each other to remind us of that truth because Barb and I have this little thing. We have figured out over the years we don't need to be both down physically at the same time. <laughs> it's not pretty. So I get to sneak in times when she's up and I can go down. But it's just like a church family, isn't it? There are times when some of us are so under the pressure of our suffering, we just want to give up and we need the body to say, hang in there. This will change. God's working in you. The Spirit is constantly interceding for you right now. So don't give up. And if I have to walk with you for a season to encourage you, I'll do that as a brother in Christ. That's the role of the body. So let's encourage each other. As we go through these seasons of suffering individually, and I think there are times when we go through seasons of suffering corporately. I put a thought there in your notes. Jesus shared in our suffering. Soon we will share in his glory. Isn't that worth thinking about? Soon, soon, may he come back today. Amen? Take us out of this world. But until that time, our lot is to suffer. Let's pray.